what a joy it is for us to know that there is more. There's more than what this world can offer. There's more than what can be seen. And what a joy for us to know that we get to be a part of righting what is wrong, but, but the heavy lifting is not on us. It's on God himself. What, what he has called us to do is simply to join him in what he's already doing and, and by faith have hope and live hopeful and then be helpful and lead more people to anchor their life in hope in Jesus. Now, to do that, we have to understand who we are and what it is we're supposed to be doing here. So we have to understand, and this is good news. This is good news for those of us who believe. The world, this world is not our home. If you would say amen, say amen. amen. You know what? This is as bad as it gets for us. This is as bad as it gets. It's just gonna get better once, once the Lord God comes and does what he's gonna do. But now we have to understand we're exiles and we're here for a reason. As God spoke to the exiles in Babylon, so he now speaks to us, Jeremiah 29, 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So what God has called us to do is to understand this world's not our home. We're not setting, we're not setting roots here. Our, our home is in heaven. But what we are doing is while we're in process there, we're to help as many people as possible to find the way, the truth, and the life so that they too can have hope and they can have his strength and his love and his joy and his peace. The, 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 the things that only God can give that really satisfy the longing of our soul. So living hopeful and being helpful, it's more than a slogan, it's a way of life. And when we do that, there's different things that we will specifically do. And one of those is the, is the lost art of welcoming. It seems that our culture has, has, has forgotten how to do that. It seems like all that our culture seems to know how to do is attack people that are different from them and, and, to, and to live with fear and rather than understanding and grace and kindness. And, and we who have been given such grace and kindness, we have a responsibility to live as exiles, but to help those who need hope and, and to show them the way. And we do that by welcoming them into our lives. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me right now to Romans chapter 15. We're going to be in verse 7 this morning, and we're going to see how we do this, what God has called us to do. This is Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Gideon Robbins is going to read for us, so let's all stand together, and uh, Gideon's going to get up here and read for us verse 7. Gideon, are you ready? Yeah. All right, buddy, read verse 7 for us. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Gideon. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Yeah, give him a hand. So, if you've been reading the news lately, you understand that things are messed up. This world is not as it should be. It's not supposed to be like this. And it's terrifying to think that this may be possibly other than the time of the Civil War, the most divided time in the history of our nation. There is a, a scholar, uh, uh, Dr. Alan uh, Guelza, he's the director of the Civil War Era Studies at Gettysburg College. He teaches that the Civil War was singular and almost certain to remain so. I mean, given Civil War, hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives fighting. Uh, but he did, does see continuity, some, uh, some of them surprising between then and now. And he thinks today's divisions are worse than of any time in American history except the 1850s and 60s during the time of the Civil War. This was in the Wall Street Journal last week. 
Friends, we are living in a very divisive culture. We are living in troubled times. But guys, hear me. This is nothing new. Do not be overwhelmed. God has a way of bringing unity and hope where the world does not. This this, uh, book we just read from, the book of Romans, it was a letter written to the church at Rome under the inspiration of of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Paul. He was writing to a very divided people. This church was composed of two distinct groups, Jews and Gentiles. Now understand, these Jews had been trained by their parents to hate Gentiles and literally referred to them as dogs. They had a number of derogatory statements to make about Gentiles because they were considered less than them, that they were supposed to be some kind of superior race. Meanwhile, the Gentiles were taught by their government and by their parents that they were never to trust Jews, that they were never to have any commonality with them, that they were to despise them and to reject them. As a matter of fact, in AD 47, Claudius, the emperor at that time, kicked out all Jews and told the Gentiles, told the Roman people, do not have anything to do with these people. And yet, by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, Jews and Gentiles were saved and they had the unity of the love of God that brought them together. Only God can do that. And this unity is is the strength of our hope. It comes in Christ. And when we talk about living hopeful and we talk about being helpful, we're talking about being a part of the solution, not the problem. See, our world is like this aquarium. In it, there are two kinds of fish. There's a goldfish and there's a beta. Now, the, the goldfish is very passive and the, the beta is very aggressive. And we got, instead of a clear divider, we have someone that they can't, that they can't see each other because my assistant told me that if they could see each other, by the third service, the beta would have had a heart attack. Just out of sheer hate, this thing would have overwhelmed itself wanting to kill this this goldfish. And this goldfish, if I were to remove the barrier, would be eat up. You know what I mean? And and what happens here is you've got these two unique creatures, one that has a victim mindset and one that has an aggressor mindset. And you know what? When, When I think about these fish and I think about our world, see, that's what's happening in our world right now. But see, we're... We're human beings made in the image of God with the power of volition. And so we don't just stay in one category. Let me tell you what's happening to our world. There are aggressors who have created victims who sooner or later get tired of being victims and become aggressors that create more victims who sooner or later become aggressors who create victims who sooner or later become aggressors that create more victims. And so what's happening in our world is we have this cycle of aggressors creating victims, becoming aggressors, creating more victims. And and it happens in us all the time. As a matter of fact, I wonder this morning, how would you characterize yourself? Would you say, oh, oh no, I'm a victim? Or would you say, no, 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 the group I identify, we're in power. How would others perceive you? Do others perceive you as victim? The way you talk, the way you, the way you view the world and describe, do they consider you an aggressor in your post on social media and the way you, the way you act and treat other people? 
See, we kind of go back and forth. I saw a news report last week. A, a young lady went to a, a, a rally where she was there to speak about how she and others have been victimized. And, and while she was there, she saw someone who did not agree with her, 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 her perspective, her particular view, and she attacked the man. I mean, literally attacked him. It was on TV. And after she whooped this poor guy with others, they interviewed her, and she talked about how she was a victim. And I thought only human beings fallen from grace can become a victim and an aggressor and back to a victim in five minutes. This is the world that we're in. But here's the good news. God did not enter into the world to become a fish to change the nature of fish. No, no. God became human. And in his humanity, he brought about the capacity for salvation to change our very nature. That's the good news of the gospel. See, as you look at the world, understand, and you know this, the world is not as it should be. God's design was harmony. But we have all this brokenness in our world right now. Why? One reason, sin. Because of fear and anger and the desire for power and pleasure and popularity, we, we, we destroy each other. We destroy our own souls. But God in his grace did not abandon us there. Instead, the gospel tells us that God took on flesh. Jesus Christ, God, died for our sins, has been raised, is now at the right hand of God, will return, and will save any who will repent. That is, turn away from self-confidence, turn away from their victim or aggressor mindset, human, fallen human mindset, and instead believe in Jesus, and then we can recover and pursue God's design. See, that's the good news. And if you do that, God doesn't take you out of the world. If, if God allows you to pursue and recover his design, he doesn't just say, okay, now you can go hide in some holy huddle somewhere. No, 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 no. Instead, he sends us on mission. Look what Jesus said about the church in John 17. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But I do not ask that you take them out of the world, look at this, but that you keep them from the evil one. So we are not to be like the, the, the fallen, broken, dark ones of this world. We are not to fall into this victimization and aggression. No, 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 no. We have a higher calling and capacity because of Christ. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We who have been transformed by grace are not to hide, but we are to go and live hopeful and be helpful in the real world, showing who Christ is and what he's done. And friends, the light never shines brighter than when it is darkest. And this is a dark day. But we who are the light of God, now is our moment. Now we can shine and we must shine. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5? Remember what he said? You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp or put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. The same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are called to shine as the light of God in this dark world, but some of you are hiding your light. Some of you are disciples of Jesus. You have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, but you are, you are putting a bowl 
over the light with your political ideologies, with your racial and educational and social identity, with with your geographical concerns about who should live where and why, rather than people seeing you as a child of God who's living hopeful and being helpful, instead they they see that that adjective or or that, that whatever definer you used before, Christian, I am blank kind of Christian. Understand, until you're just Christian, you're of little use to the kingdom of God. Believe that. Because here's what you're doing. You're saying, I am this kind of passive Christian who's being attacked. No, no, I am this kind of aggressor Christian. This is the way of the world. This is not the way of God. And God does not call us to work in the way of the world. We are to work in the power of the Holy Spirit through his love, period. So friends, understand. Some of you, you're you're missing this opportunity. It's because you don't know who you are. You don't know who you belong to. You've forgotten. Can I remind you? Can I remind you where your citizenship is first and foremost, those of you who love Jesus? Can I remind you? Here we are, Philippians 3.20. What does it say? But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that in this, in this nation where this citizenship is, there is every tribe, tongue, every color, all kinds of philosophies, all kinds of political parties, all are one in Jesus Christ. First and foremost, it's his nation, and we are simply citizens of that great land. First and foremost. And as that, it changes who we are. It's not just what we're a part of. Have you, oh, church, have you forgotten who you are? You're not a Republican. You're not a Democrat. You're, you're not a part of a, a racial group or some other social group, first and foremost. First and foremost, what are you? First Peter 2, 9 says, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy, beloved. I urge you as sojourners, look at this, sojourners in exile, swirls not our home, we're passing through. Abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Live hopeful, be helpful, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. That's who you are. This is who God has called us to be. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our identity is wrapped up in who Christ has made us be. But some of you are hiding that. Some of you have people who are blocking you on social media because you're an aggressive you're an aggressor, or you're such a victim. They can't take it anymore. They don't want to hear it anymore. They don't want to sit with you at work. They don't want to be around you at school. They don't want to talk to you in the neighborhood because your victimization or your aggression is is just coloring everything. They can no longer see Christ. You are putting the light under a bowl, and you've got to stop. You've got to be Christian. Be a little Christ, a disciple of Jesus. See, as disciples of Jesus, we can be in it, but not of it. We have the power to transcend it with the love of God, and, and through the power of the gospel, there can be transformation to our world. 
And that's our job, to live hopeful and be helpful so that more people can anchor their life in hope in Jesus. Now, to do that, we've got to be welcoming. We've got to get over ourselves and get on with God's work in the world. So how do we do it? Three things that our text shows us today. Take note of this, please. Living hopeful and being helpful overcomes divisiveness when we, as disciples of Jesus, first of all, do the right thing. Just do the right thing. And what is that? Look in verse seven. Welcome one another. Welcome one another. Say, I don't care what color you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your political perspective is. I welcome you in the love and the grace and the mercy and the kindness of Jesus. This is the one thing we can all do all the time. It's the right thing to do. Now understand, understand, without the gospel, all you are able to do is welcome people. Yes, you can welcome people, but you can only welcome people into either your victimhood or your aggression. Without Jesus, you're stuck here. You're stuck in sin because this is what sin creates, victims and aggressors. So without Jesus, you're stuck. And yes, you may welcome people in, but it's not for the right thing. You're not doing the right thing. You're creating more racists. You're creating more, more, more challenges to our culture. You're creating more problems, not answers, because this is all you can welcome in. But in Jesus, his love, his power, his grace, his mercy, you can welcome people in and understand that we're all broken. We all need help. We all need healing. We all need kindness and love. We all need an answer to the emptiness in our soul that only an eternal almighty God can fill. Welcome one another with the goodness of God and do it with the right motives. Do the right thing with the right motive. What is the right motive? Look in verse seven. Welcome one another. Here's our motive as Christ has welcomed you. See, the gospel gives us the right motive. Love for God's sake. Church, love for God's sake. Not because it's comfortable, not because it makes you look cool, not because it's politically correct. Love for God's sake. Let that be your motive. And, and understand, without the gospel, you will never welcome people in except to be the kind of victim or aggressor you are. Because without Christ, you're stuck. But those who have been transformed by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, you can welcome others in the way Christ has welcomed you. How did Christ welcome you? He welcomed you out of brokenness. He welcomed you into a new life and a new world perspective. He welcomed you on the basis of eternal grace and love. He met you where you were and invited you on a journey into his home into heaven, and along the way, you get to live hopeful and be helpful and be a part of the solution and not the problem. See, we gotta meet people where they are. That means you're gonna meet some racists. That means you're gonna meet some people that don't agree with you on politics. That means that you're gonna be around people that don't have the same uh, background uh, educationally or whatever. And you gotta meet them where they are and love them the same way God loved you. This week I, I heard a story, church, oh my goodness. It's about a man by the name of Daryl Davis. He's an African-American 
who when he was a child was a part of the Cub Scouts. And they were walking in a parade and he was the only African-American child. And there were adult white people who began to throw rocks and bottles at him and began to scream names at him and began to degrade him. But I'm gonna tell you, the spirit of God was on this man when he was a boy because he didn't become a victim and he didn't become an aggressor. You know what the Lord brought to his mind? He thought, how can they hate me if they don't even know me? If they knew me, they wouldn't hate me because I'm not worth hating. And so you know what this guy did? He made it his life calling to get to know white nationalists and members of the Ku Klux Klan. He met them where they were. He went and met with the leaders of these organizations and began to invite them into his home and have conversations about their views and his views. Can I tell you what happened? Hundreds of members of the white nationals, of the, of the Nazi group and of, and of the KKK gave up that lie, gave up that terrible life, accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and now they are brothers and sisters for, in Christ for all of eternity. Amen? This is what happens. <laughs> now, strangely, he's got all these guys. This guy right here was the, was the director of the Maryland Ku Klux Klan. He, he came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. There's no longer a KKK chapter because it was dissolved because this guy and many others became followers of Jesus Christ. But then guess what happened to this poor African-American brother? African-Americans started attacking him. Started calling him all kinds of derogatory names. Why? Because he left that cycle of victimization or aggression. Jesus said, if you're in his, you're not gonna be of the world and guess what's gonna happen? They're gonna hate you for it. See, the world wants you to get stuck as a victim or an aggressor. Jesus said, I've come to set you free. And if I say you are free, you are free indeed. And you can live in hope and you can be a help and you can go meet people that don't agree with you and you can love them the same way Jesus loved you and you can do the right thing with the right motive. Amen? And all of that, write it down for the right purpose. And what's the only right purpose? Look at the verse. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. For what purpose? For the glory of God. See, love that, that, that gives God glory, that's the only right purpose. See, without the right purpose, we'll only seek to bring glory to our side. See, we're all worshipers. We're all gonna bring glory to someone or something. So if you're not bringing that glory to God, then all you're left with is your side. And so you're just gonna glorify your victimization and those you, you identify with as victims or you're gonna identify with the aggressors and the aggressive people. And what's gonna happen sooner or later as a victim, you're gonna become the aggressor and create victims who will become aggressors who create more victims and it just creates the continual cycle of destruction that makes up our world. Jesus Christ says, no, 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 no. For the glory of God, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Live hopeful. Be helpful. Now to do that, some of you are gonna have to leave your side. Some of you are gonna have to stop thinking of yourself as being on a side. You know, in Joshua, the Old Testament book, 
Joshua was getting ready to, to enter into a battle. And Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, Jesus, before he was born of the Virgin Mary, met with Joshua. Look at this conversation they had, Joshua 5. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? Are you on the victim side or the aggressor side? Whose side are you on? Look what Jesus said. He said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. That's how we know it was Jesus. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Look what he said. And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals for you, uh, from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. He said, it's not about your sides. Get on your face and worship me. You know what happens when you live a life of worship? You choose to live hopeful and be helpful. You stop being stuck in this cycle of victimization and aggression, and you begin to live a life that is the solution to the problem. But you can only do that with Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, you're stuck. With Jesus, you're free. Now look, I know this is hard for some to understand. I know you have been so indoctrinated and enculturated with your side that it's hard to understand this truth. We've got a chapel over here on, on uh, Small House Roads connected to our facility. And when you look at the chapel from the outside, you see this stained glass. And from the outside, it makes no sense. It just looks kind of weird. It's just kind of, what is that? But you know what? If you go inside and the sun shines into that truth, it's a beautiful picture of reality. See, truth from the outside it's confusing. Truth inside of Christ with the sun shining into the truth, it's a beautiful picture that communicates that God has come down to set us free, to heal what is broken, and to make right what is wrong. And he does that through us. But I'm gonna tell you this right now. You will never be a part of the solution so long as you're stuck on the side. You will only continue to be a part of the problem only Jesus Christ can free you. Only Jesus Christ can give you a life and a hope and a joy and a peace that transforms your identity and gives you a whole new purpose. And some of you today, you need to come and talk to Jesus about having that life. Ask him to forgive you of your sin and ask him to give you a new life. Some of you are dear brothers and sisters in Christ, but I'm gonna tell you, I say this with all the love in my heart, you're part of the problem. You keep stirring up stuff. Your pride, your, your sense of being able to say what you want, when you want. It's time to, I'm just gonna say, it's time to grow up. It's time to get on with what God is doing in the world and stop being worldly. Stop being part of the problem. Get on your knees and repent. And then I wanna ask some of you today, come and stand before God here at the front. Come and pray together and ask God to change lives for the glory of his name. And the only way he does that is by grace through faith in Christ alone. 
Come and pray for people by name. Come and pray for cities. Come and pray for organizations of people that are trapped. Come and pray for the KKK. Come, come, and, come and pray for Antifa. Come and pray for ISIS. Come, come and pray for all those who create division. Come pray for those Republicans you can't stand and those Democrats you don't understand. Come and ask God to do what only he can do, which is to tear it down and rebuild a community of love. That's what Jesus is doing. Ask him to do it. Be a part of it. Let's stand together as we pray.